virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a win at Arsenal for the first time in 397 years. Vardy with the goal. The Foxes march on in the Premier League. Athens on Thursday. Fafana's a god. All this on For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and in For Fox Sake HQ2 is Rob Hayes. Rob, how are you? We've only gone and done a win at Arsenal. We've only got a done a win away at Arsenal for the first time in absolutely forever, in longer than we've been alive on the planet. Uh, I'm very well, thank you. Currently stuck in tier three, which means that all I've been able to do on my first day of half term today is go shopping to supermarkets. Three of them. I'm having a great time. How are you? Oh, no. I, when I text you earlier to say, what time are you free today? I always throw out these kind of vague kind of text message saying you know are you free because it's it, it's mainly y- yourself with um with kind of time limiting parameters in in your life i generally early in the week i'm kind of free and um and so i threw the text out and you're like oh yeah yeah fine and i thought to myself i wonder if he is on half term but i forgot about the old tier three jobby how's that are you is there kind of armed policemen walking down the streets telling everyone to stay inside and don't buy clothes and stuff like that. Well, there weren't any armed police yesterday when I got on the train into Sheffield or when I went and sat for a bottomless brunch at uh, Vodka Revs and tried to sink as many pints of Amstel as humanly possible in two hours. I didn't get stopped once nice. by armed police, so I was having a great time. I like, I like Amstel as well. It's a nice, uh, It's a nice session kind of beer. Yeah, especially if you're on a short-term session, like two hours. Oh, my word. But And then afterwards... It was a win at Arsenal, it, tremendous, which I don't know how many people saw. First of all, we'll just kind of highlight again the, if you haven't listened to the episode regarding the £15 pay-per-view, you know, we're completely against it. And we've also tweeted out on the Twitter handle, fully enough, at FFS Pods. Um, we, we, we're not, again, trying to be preachy at all. I remember listening back, and I said this last time, to the episode thinking, I wonder if we did become a bit preachy. But no, it, I, I thought we were fine. And everyone else is, no one's kind of said that we were. And uh, so we put out on the on the Twitter handle, uh, I was looking around for somewhere where, because there's a big kind of movement now, isn't there, about donating to local food banks or whatever, if you were going to, pay the £15 and you want to pay it towards a food bank or to charity. So I was like, well, instead of kind of saying to everyone, look, do this, do that, how about just throw out somewhere where if someone wants to throw a few quid uh, their way, then at least it's somewhere near, say, the King Power. I thought to myself, shall I go near where you were originally from in in Leicester or shall I go northwest Leicestershire to me or shall I actually just go near the KP? So I went KP and found a really nice... Uh, food bank which looks really established it's in Wigston actually so just a bit further south and uh, we know that Wigston's been in 
the majority of their time in, in, in the harshest lockdowns in Leicestershire. So it looks a really well-run place. And if you go to our Twitter handle, at FFSPod, and on Facebook, you can find the links there. And essentially, it's just a link to what they do. And there's a very, very easy way to donate. So if you want to throw a few quid somewhere, then you can do that. I know there are other fan kind of groups kind of trying to get together and, and mounting kind of a, a campaign to raise money to try and get everyone together to raise a total, you know, for, for which, which will do a lot of good. But also... Uh, you know, because you hear that Newcastle fans have done twenty grand, fifty grand at Leeds, over a hundred with Liverpool, etc. Now, obviously they're you know, bigger clubs than that with bigger fan bases, but um, I know there's a there's a few around trying to raise money for the Vishai Foundation, etc. But I, I think with with the pod and I text you beforehand saying do you reckon this is the best thing, I think it's just best to kind of say, look, this is a nice one. This one is near the King Power. So if anyone feels like they want to get involved with this, how about? chucking a few quid their way also it's got a <laughs> it's got a really really easy way of doing that because they use apple pay so you go on there you click on the link and it scrolls down bang apple pay brilliant fine two seconds you're done um which makes a lot of difference to be honest because uh, filling out forms and that i know it's uh, the money goes the right way but if you only got a few minutes it does help but uh, there we go so we've done that and um if anyone's got any ideas then you can always email in for fox8podcast at gmail.com if uh, there's anything that you want to kind of promote or or throw our way some information regarding something and we can maybe kind of highlight that regarding these issues that are currently going on at the moment so that's why we've done that and uh, it, it looks uh, I think it's a, a sensible thing to do really isn't it Rob? I think so, and I think it's a good way to uh, for football fans in general to channel their sort of energy or channel their additional funds if they are um, in a fortunate enough position to have that kind of cash lying around. We're at no way are we suggesting sitting here saying that everybody listening to this should be donating exactly fifteen pounds or more to anywhere. We we just thought it would be a nice idea to put that option there for you. And as you say, Pete, the the speed with which you can do it. It's a very, very quick and easy way to support a local cause. Um, and, you know, food banks have been... I mean, this, sh- this shouldn't really... In this country, in this day and age, there shouldn't really be such a thing as a food bank. But there is. They're there out of necessity. And they're run by extremely good people. Um, the school I work at up here in Sheffield, we've got uh, close links with a local food bank up here as well. I've seen firsthand the the support that they give to the local community. Um, and we as a school uh, this year couldn't do it, but last year donated most of our Harvest Festival collections to them. Um, and hearing the stories about the the people that that's helped, it makes a massive difference. So if you've got a little bit to spare uh, and you were thinking about spending it on the football, you know, you might want to you might want to reconsider. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, if we if we look, if we're moving on to the football that happened last night that you would have had to have paid fifteen pounds for to watch legally which I didn't, but I'd still watched it. Uh, I genuinely would rather have spent my £15 on a food bank than if I'd chosen to pay for this football match. See, I didn't pay for it either, and I, I won't pay. I've I've kind of put my uh, my fork in the sand. I've put my... I've drew, I've drew the line, should I say, in the sand and said, right, this, this is the side I'm staying on. So I, I'm I'm never going to. And again, if you have been, then, then great, fine. Not a, not a problem at all. Uh, I was at work. And well, very fortunately, I, I can watch the games at work because that's the nature of the job. So it was a, a, a cracking evening, really, because I can't give it the full attention for obvious reasons doing the job. And I can glance over 
quite often so watching it like that was probably the best way really it meant that i still got the enjoyment of seeing what actually happens in the game people commenting on the game kind of behind me in the gallery and then seeing the goal go in and and celebrating in silence like a maniac whilst watching the result of an american horse race it's um it's a great win. Let's go to the football. A 1-0 win at Arsenal. Fantastic. Completely out of the blue. Not expected at all. Neither of us predicted this. Vardy with the goal late on. And also, the goal itself was a thing of beauty. We'll just highlight the goal. We'll go straight to it, Rob. Uh, Yuri Tillemans, a great... Uh, to be honest, their partnership in midfield with him and Mendy, it, it was everything... The goal just kind of highlighted every single aspect of, of, of their skill set with Mendy getting the ball quickly. Where's Tillemans? Five-yard pass across to Tillemans. A lovely kind of cultured, you'll be able to describe this better, the way he kind of controls and rolls the ball back and spins in one motion and then launches the ball down the field. Uh, launch is the wrong word. Um, a ball into the feet of uh, Genghis Under, really. It's not a hopeful punt forward. It's not a Danny Drinkwater chip over the top to land in an area for Vardy. It was a deliberate pass into the feet of Undet, who had broken through. He'd done exactly what Brendan Rodgers said afterwards. He said, that's exactly what I wanted him to do. He got forward. Now, he could have easily pulled the trigger. And in real time, I thought he was going to leather it. In fact, I was shouting for him to leather it because you couldn't quite see Vardy in the centre. He did. In the middle, Vardy scores. Brilliant. It's a shame no fans were there because it was that end of the field and there would have been 3,500 of the Blue Army going mad and Vardy would have been right there. God knows what celebration he would have done. It was a fantastic goal and it was a deserved goal because in the second half, especially in the second half of the second half, it was Leicester who looked like the team who were going to go on to win. We'll come on to the formation and the, and the tactics employed by, by Brendan later but just that goal it was a goal worthy of winning the game at the Emirates well it was and and the the ultimate truth of it is that it was nil nil at that time um as you say the the partnership in central midfield for Leicester seems to be working an absolute treat at the moment and then Tiedemann's yeah it, it's perfectly weighted it's perfectly executed and under has brought that additional pace over the top for Leicester onto the field um, his his touch and his and his he's always got that ball under control, and I'm very glad he didn't hit it because it looked like it was just sitting up a bit, and on his right foot, and had visions of him absolutely slicing it into touch, falling over, and us bemoaning uh, a chance gone, but. He, he put it across. It wasn't the easiest of balls to convert. You wanted him to try and put it across on the floor, but he's put it in at, a, at quite a pace and a, a sort of hip height, if not a touch higher. Uh, and Vardy's just stooped. You, you would want nobody else on the end of that other than Jamie Vardy. It's quality all the way through, from Mendy winning the ball back, for Tielemans with the perfect execution of the longer ball. I wouldn't call it a long ball, but longer ball. Under with the control and the composure, the awareness and the intelligence to pick out Vardy, and then the man who we know has finished hundreds of chances for Leicester on the end of it, no mistake. And then, you know, we just sort of set up camp again then after that and said, thank you very much, we'll uh, we'll take this. 
Smash and Grab, I think, is one of the three-word reviews I've seen on social media. Yeah, Smash and Grab is an easy thing to say, isn't it? And I, I imagine a lot of the press today, I've not really seen any headlines in, in the newspapers, but I'd imagine that would have been used an awful lot. But then again, if a smash and grab happens, it happens. And if a smash and grab is technically exactly the way that you set out to play the game, which is what Leicester did, then the plan has worked perfectly. Well played, Brendan. Uh, was one of the three-word reviews on Twitter. Martin Summers, uh, Nigel Beecroft so spilt my pint. Uh, Megan uh, McLeod said, Vardy is back. Uh, we've got For You Vishai by just another Roberts. We've got Jamie Vardy party, as in uh, their midfielder party. Canadian Foxes, uh, Fafana looking good, isn't he? Um, that's one battle. And, uh, and, and, and there's plenty more. They were on uh, Twitter. Let's just head over to the old Facenet with the Facebook and find out if uh, if anyone... I've not actually checked the Facebook, so this could be uh, fairly embarrassing, in fact, if no one has actually uh, responded to the, uh, the three-word review on Facebook. Here we go. Oh, no, we've got plenty. Seven comments. Here we go. Uh, tactical Masterclass. We've got Vardy for PM. Vardy's going to get you. Smash and grab. Hey, oh, we've got a smash and grab. Patrick Hook. Well done. Uh, we've got up and under now. There we go. If we're going to do a prize for the best one, up and under. I like that. Richard Wilson. Well done, mate. Uh, and we've also got uh, Love Your Vardy by Sandra Stevens. And uh, we've got Jim Chapman with uh, four words. And it was what was written on Jamie Vardy's shin pads, if you've seen the pictures. A well-known four-word saying uh, about chatting rubbish and uh, the rest. <laughs> so fantastic. I like them. They were They were up and under. Lovely. That's... In fact, that's got to be the that's got to be the title of the pod, up and under. Well, that's uh, that's that's going to be the one. And I don't know whether you agree with that, Rob. But there we go. Um, yes. Now, smash and grab, up and under. That's kind of tickle with us. I think every single Leicester fan, and we covered this after the game, but I think every single Leicester fan who saw the the lineup and the first few minutes against Man City were were worried and slightly concerned and maybe wanted more of an attacking input from the starts. You, you do want that, don't you? You kind of look to see um, when the team news comes out, who's up front, how are we going to score goals, how are we going to win the game? And the game went tremendously for Leicester, the 5-2 win, and everyone went, yep, yeah, okay, fair play, no worries. Uh, the, the tactics were bang on, it worked out brilliantly. I think since that game, the attitude has changed. Because when the team news was announced, and regarding injuries, everyone knows the players were certain players were out and certain players coming back to full fitness. I think everyone saw, and I don't know whether you agree with this, but I reckon the vast majority saw that lineup for Leicester. There wasn't any centre forward on the field, kind of uh, a defensive lineup with Vardy on the bench, and you're thinking, right, we're going to sit back, we're going to sit tight, and try and get the odd goal here and there from set plays, whatever but try and control the game and second half exactly do what we did, bring on Vardy and then go for it late on and use our fitness levels and exploit what Arsenal who what Arsenal are. And they are still quite crumbly, aren't they, as a side. And it worked perfectly. But I think everyone had more confidence in what happened on the field, in, in the tactics beforehand. I think everyone understood what, what Rodgers was going to do. And... It just worked absolutely perfectly. 
It was still rubbish to watch, though, wasn't it? Let's be perfectly honest. I've <laughs> I've I've spent. We're recording this Monday afternoon, uh, and I've spent every waking moment since the game last night thinking, how do I put across my opinion uh, on today's podcast? How how do I try to sum up my feelings about the game? Because obviously, you look at it from the majority of angles, and it's and it's very very positive. You know, first win in in away at Arsenal in forty odd years. Um, clean sheet, Vardy on the score sheet after being touch and go to to even make an appearance, uh, whether from the start or from the bench. Um, a result like that with the personnel that were available, all very positive things. And obviously, when the game finished yesterday, I felt good. I felt, yeah, you know what? That's that's a an historic win. It's an important win for us to get back on track in the league after a couple of defeats to uh, West Ham and Villa, who I'm expecting us to finish above both of those sides this season. Um, but I didn't enjoy it. And, and and I know football is about results. And, you know, I, I would have been in this kind of turmoil had we narrowly beaten Manchester City and had it not been such a good watch in that 5-2 victory. Um, because we have to get to a point, I feel, where... We are Leicester City. We are a team that is expecting to win most games that we play in the Premier League um, because I think that's the direction that the players, the squad, the club wants to go in and should be going in. And I know that's high expectations, but do we need to sit in a 5-4-1 with no striker on the uh, on the pitch against a team like Arsenal who are going to do very well to finish top six this season. Arsenal are another team where if you had to make a prediction on the Premier League table, you would more people than not would put Arsenal below Leicester this season, I think. Or it wouldn't be that convincing. So should that be a game where, especially where the fact that we're playing away makes very little difference, let's be honest, with the lack of supporters in stadiums at the minute, all you've got to do is pull down to North London. It's not a major issue. Uh, an away game at somewhere like um, Zorya Luhansk in a few months' time is going to be more of an issue. So I really wanted us to have a bit more of, of a go because that first half was crap to watch, really was. There were so many times when we had the opportunity to move the ball forward quickly. I am not against counter-attacking football. I'm not against the other team having a little bit more possession. That wasn't my issue. We just did absolutely nothing with it every time in the first half and yes you can look at it and say it's a tactical masterclass by Brendan Rodgers because we kept Arsenal out all game and we scored a goal and we won 1-0 and it's great three points on the board and as we said an historic win but VAR probably shouldn't have disallowed Lacazette's goal if Arsenal's finishing was slightly better they could have been 3-4-0 up by half time and not all of that, or very little of that, is down to good defending and good tactics. It's down to Arsenal not taking their chances. And of course, the scoreline at the end of it says that we took our chance and they didn't take theirs. And that's fine. But I just worry if this is going to be our approach against Arsenal, who are probably going to finish, what, seventh? Then do we have to do that against Liverpool, Man City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham... Do, do we have to do that against every single one of those teams? Because we are not going to be able to camp in and keep those kind of teams out um, for for 90 minutes twice 
per season. It's just not going to happen. There's got to be a point where we say, you know what? We're good enough. We're going to take the game to you. I'm sitting here. I'm very happy, obviously. I'm just a little bit concerned that it's worked. It worked against Man City because we sprung the counter more quickly. We played through the the um, through the, the thirds of the field very quickly. We didn't do that against Arsenal for the best part of an hour until Vardy came on. So it, it could... I know I'm talking hypothetically, ifs and buts here, but it could have gone very differently. It could, but then, it, but then again, it didn't, did it? That's, that's I know it didn't, I, I and that's it. why I'm in this turmoil, because it really could have, and it looked like it might do for ages, but we've come away with a 1-0 win, which I'm delighted with. It, which is, I'm, And that's the kind of balance I'm trying to present here. I, I, I'm literally 50-50 in my head whether I'm happy. Well, I'm obviously more happy whether I, I would prefer a, a performance that had a bit more about it um, in terms of intent to win the game than than holding out for a 1-0. I, I don't know where I am. I've just I've just verbalised what's going on in my head and it clearly makes no sense. You're in tier three, that's what you are. Well, but, yeah, um, exactly. It's, <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're saying. I do disagree, though. I, I, I understand that Arsenal are, even though they might finish and probably will finish below probably a few of the teams that you mentioned, the likes of, say, Tottenham, for example... Would we play the same formation? And then you mentioned the Man City game. But I'm looking at the two sides lined up on paper. You've got Aubameyang, Lacazette, Saka. We've got Madison, Barnes and Pratt. And at the end of the game, you've got Under with Jamie Vardy. Now, when you say defending from the front, that's one way of describing an aspect of the of the centre forwards play that doesn't involve putting the ball in the back of the net, uh, but it also gives an option for the defensive midfield uh, to just keep the ball. You know, you can't just keep the ball amongst your defenders and midfielders. You need the the forwards there to be occupying the defence, but also to be given options to even just to lay the ball back to the midfield. And in the first half, we just didn't have that. Harvey Barnes isn't a centre forward. And he's being looked after by the defence. The defence of Arsenal must have looked at him and gone, right, so we've got this one guy here and James Madison's never going to beat anyone for pace. Uh, Pratt's more in midfield. Madison was as well. There was just no, you said attacking intent, correct. But there wasn't any, uh, the formation and, and the and the personnel on the field, there wasn't going to be that anyway. If, say, Dennis Pratt wasn't playing and Under started, then you can go, right, there you, there's your two quick forwards and you could then be more attacking when you have the ball in a counter-attack scenario. Leicester just didn't have the personnel on the field at all. We played three at the back, and then you have... It's it's not quite a 3-4-3, a three, three, which ultimately I think is the Leicester formation going forward. It, it, it turned into a 3, and then you could easily say 6-1 in theory, because you've got Justin and Castagna out wide, occupying the wide positions, kind of dropping back into fullback or in midfield. Mendy, Tillemans, Madison and Pratt kind of fitting in between them as well, sometimes in a kind of a six, and then Barnes up top on his own. So I think I will let Leicester off because I just think in that first half, the personnel on the field could not have attacked in any kind of consistency, but also with possession as well, because there was just nothing up front uh, to be able to, again, pull players apart, 
uh, to give the ball to, to relieve pressure, maybe by going a bit more route one or direct into the channels, for example, because Barnes can run the channels, but he can't run both channels at the same time. I know Vardy can roughly, but the Vardy's a complete exception. And then in the second half, you've got Undair on. Let's just say if Undair played on the left or the right, and then Vardy's up top, uh, and on the other side, on the left, is Barnes. There you go. There's the normal three for Leicester. And even if you're sitting back, even if both Barnes and Undera are sitting in midfield, you, you can then launch forward. It's a completely different side. Even if the defensive mindset is there, it is completely different. So I, I just think I will completely let them off, to be honest, in this one game, mainly because of the results. And we can go forward and... Again, you look at the you know, Christian Fuchs coming in for Soyun Chu in the back three. Uh, a, a great game after having virtually zero game time. I know he had an appearance in the um, Europa League. Uh, the midfield, Mendy, was exceptional. Tielemans, I mean, you're being asked to run around all over the place more defensively. And we know that's you know not his game, but he, he, he coped admirably, I thought. And then the one chance he had, and the one chance he had to deliver... A very quick ball forward. He did it. Uh, Madison Pratt and and Barnes. We know you know he's not. He's, he might end up in the as a centre forward. I think he will become more central. But at the moment, I think he was just kind of lost up top. But I think he he wasn't there really to. He, he was just there to make a nuisance of himself. I think the the game plan just completely was keep it nil nil until sixty minutes. And I just think if we had our first team out, if we had everyone fit then the game plan would have been completely different. But I just think at the moment, with the team that we had available, I just think that was the only way we were going to get, possibly, to the 60-minute mark, to then bring Vardy on, and then to change. I think it was just, the hands were tied, and Rogers and his team went, right, this is what we've got to do. This is what we're going to do, everyone. And it might not play into anyone's strengths, Barnes, for example, Tillemans, but... This is what we're going to do. And if we get to the stage where after an hour we're one down, maybe even two down, or we're nil-nil, then we bring Vardy on and then we change and we go for it and we catch them out. And and that's what happened. It, sometimes you got to win ugly. This was ugly, but the three points is more than welcome, especially after the two defeats prior. Ugly it certainly was, but there is, as we say many weeks on this podcast, there is a reason why we sit here behind our microphones talking rubbish and why Brendan Rodgers gets paid quite a lot of money by Leicester City Football Club to manage the, the team because he wins more games than he loses. And I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I just hope that with Madison coming back into full fitness, hopefully Vardy shaking off the niggle and under starting to prove why he can have uh, and how he can have an effect on Premier League games to the point where maybe you're considering him to start down the right-hand side instead of Perez in what you would say would be our usual formation, then I hope that with all of those we can start to regain the attacking identity that we kind of, not lost because it's only been over a short period of time, but that we haven't seen an awful lot of in the last few weeks in the Premier League. Um you know, the game against Zoria Luhansk was, was a different proposition, really. It was a different style of opposition. We had to figure them out. We had to tweak things to 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 cope with their formation. Um, but ultimately, it was a fairly routine victory um, where players were made... To, I think some of our players were made to look a lot better than we've seen them appear in a Leicester shirt for, for a while whereas you don't get that luxury in the Premier League. So I'm I'm wanting to see, I guess, to 
to finalise my point is I'm wanting to see us to us shape the path of the game and stamp our identity and authority on it more often than not in the Premier League going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And I know exactly what you're saying. And it happens to be the, the year since we won 9-0 away at Southampton, a perfect example of stamping your authority on a game, which we did. And then we went to, was it the game after we went to Crystal Palace? And we were in a real battle and Soyuncu scored and I think Chilwell scored late as well to win 2-0. And it was, but they were very comfortable in that game and it was a different kind of game. And it it is different against Arsenal. I think Arsenal are a very odd side. They are a, a good side, but they are odd because they are behind Tottenham. They're behind Leicester. They're behind a number of sides, the obvious being Man City and Liverpool. But they are their own kind of style. We know the tiki-taka days of Wenger is, is, is gone, but they are still there. And it's still lurking in the background. And I think Arteta's done okay, but I think he's been given quite an easy ride by the press. And I don't know about Arsenal fans. I did check out a bit of the Arsenal fan TV afterwards and it didn't uh, quite light up as it did when... Vardy scored the uh, the equaliser last time out, but uh, <laughs> it was a bit more controlled, a bit more measured. And uh, I I just think Arsenal is such a unique team. Uh, I think and, and and we know that they've got a great record against Leicester. I, I just when you play Arsenal at home, you go right, get at them and win, and we can beat them, and we do. And then away from home, it's like oh my, it's like all all gloves are off, all bets are off. It's a completely different game, really, to to any other game that we play all season. It's it's a strange game, and the game against Zoya, I, I think Leicester were genuinely about eighty percent. I don't think, I, I when you're, and I have absolutely no personal experience of this at all. But when you're a very good player like these uh, like these players are, and they're walking out onto the field against Zoya in a competition that they've never played in, but they know that they are better than them. They know that if they... It will click at some point during that game. And even if they go a goal down, but they know that they've got the capabilities of turning it on second half and they are more than likely to come out on top. And also that the result is the main thing at home against Zoya in the Europa League. And I think it was just a very comfortable game. Oh, a word really for Cashbus Michael because he's kept... Uh, a clean sheet in that game gets a clean sheet at Arsenal. Two good performances. Uh, Handling was very good, and he made important saves as well in both. Uh, he's he's really had a good season. He, if, I think last season, I said a few times he, he all of a sudden he's kind of just gone up another level, or he's gone back to his best, his very best. I think Schmeichel, and he's been great this season. I think he's been in really good form. And so, uh, and it was a comfortable win. The first goal quite scrappy, lovely little dink by uh, Harvey Barnes uh, to score. But the the one that hit the post from Barnes, that was the most interesting moment, I think, of the entire game, to be perfectly honest. We know Ineacho can score uh, inside the penalty area, and Ineacho scored just like he can do. And whether he's going to be replacing Vardy when Vardy's not playing possibly this week against Athens, we don't know. But... The moment of the game for me was Harvey Barnes opening his body up and side-footing the ball off the post in the far corner, coming back, and then it was bundled in, wasn't it, by Madison, the first goal. That, for me, was the moment of the game because that, we've seen Barnes 
go one-on-one with the goalkeeper quite often because of his pace and his record isn't tremendously good. Uh, we've seen him have shots, powerful shots that have taken deflections, gone in, gone in on their own right, gone miles wide. But I don't recall him actually being quite as cultured and seeing the opportunity and going, do you know what, I will open my body up and try and burkamp esque curl it in the far play. That was, for me, exciting. That was like, yes, Harvey, that's what we want you to do. Go for it. Go for it. Don't, don't feel pressured. Don't feel that you're worried at any time inside the penalty area or just out. If you see it, go for it. Don't worry if it goes wide. You know, Keep on going. And then all of a sudden, they'll start going in. And, and that, for me, uh, is the highlight, really, of the entire game. Yeah, it was the freedom and the confidence to express himself, wasn't it? Because even, I I, I take what you're saying about the curler onto the post and and it is, as you say, something more cultured than we've uh, come to expect from the right boot of Harvey Barnes so far. Remembering still that he is very, very young and hopefully has got a lot more still to come for for Leicester and for England. Um, But just going back to the one-on-one and you saying also that his his record one-on-one with goalkeepers isn't particularly good you know if you put him through one-on-one with a goalkeeper you wouldn't necessarily think that's a dead cert for him to score but that one where he's all on his own in the box he had ages to think about it which is almost worse and and the keeper kind of didn't really do anything which could also have put him off and then he just dinks it into the corner it was it was a very casual finish and one that he almost kind of shrugged off and went well yeah that's what I can do and if he can start to express himself with the ball in those dangerous areas as often as we see him express himself out wide in terms of his uh, constant desire to beat fullbacks, then it's going to make him a very, very dangerous player. Whether he's ever going to be that man that starts through the middle Jamie Vardy-esque, I don't know. But what he could do or what he could present to Leicester is the opportunity to play a very fluid front three. It's similar in, in some ways to Liverpool, for example, because, you know, Firmino usually you would say starts as the more central of the three with Mane and, and Salah on either side. But very often throughout the game, you see Mane in a more central position as Firmino's dropped off a little bit or, you know, the interchange between the three of them is excellent. If Barnes can keep that kind of confidence and, and almost natural, it was almost instinctive at times, wasn't it? If he can if he can see more of that in his game, then he can start affecting things more centrally. And then let's say, fast forward a couple of months' time to when Ricardo's fully fit and Castagna's probably playing left wing back, Ricardo's probably playing right wing back. Barnes would have a lot of licence then to drift into even more central positions because you'd be expecting Castagna not only to be galloping down the left-hand side, but to be doing so with some quality. I don't think you would always trust Justin to be in that same position. He's just certainly got the legs and the desire, but you know you wouldn't always trust him to be out there on his own. Um, almost like when we said Ben Chilwell last season isn't quite a left wing back because he's not always got that quality going forward. Whereas Castagna has proven already that he can get in the box, get goals and contribute with assists from wide positions. So Barnes might have a more of a license to play more centrally that way. Uh, whether he'll ever be the one that you can rely on up top, I don't know. But very, very promising signs for him. Promising sign for Iheanacho as well. I know the stats will say he's got two two assists and a goal. Um, the one for Madison's was more of a falling over in a bundle. But the, the little roll back into Barnes' path 
technically, yes, it's an assist, but Barnes has still got a lot to do from there. Uh, but then a well-taken goal for him. Um, and I think the only reason, as Brendan Rodgers has, has alluded to, that he didn't lead the line against Arsenal was because Iheanacho is, is quickly seeming to be becoming the, the kind of striker where you give it to his feet and he can use it a lot better than I think we've ever seen. Even though we consider him to be quite a pacey striker, he seems to be more comfortable now with the ball into his feet with his back to goal. And Rogers said that he wanted Barnes playing through the middle to try and stretch Arsenal and get balls in behind, which we've talked about we didn't do, but the, the idea was there. I don't think there's any other reason other than that that Ian Acho didn't start. And I would say that you'd be right, Pete. I don't see any reason why we would need to risk Vardy on Thursday against Athens. I think you say to Ian Acho, look, you made two, you scored one in the first game of the Europa League. Same again, please. Yeah, I've got written down next to Ian Asho's name, um, Europa League player. He he will be playing in the Europa League until we need, and possibly the home game maybe against Braga in a couple of weeks' time. And another reason maybe for him to play that role, it's obvious with, say, Vardy being put in the cotton wool, etc. But also... If Leicester decide to go in the transfer market big time for a new centre-forward, then Inacho more than likely might make way for that player to free up a few quid on the wages, but also to bring in a few quid as well, because he still would command a, a decent fee. And him being exposed in the Europa League and scoring goals is going to be a good thing for him, and that's looking further down the line maybe, but we know he can score in the Europa League, and I'll be confident with him leading the line against uh, Athens on Thursday. Uh, the Perez, uh, uh, the the Liverpool scenario actually that you mentioned the uh, the way that they play. It's interesting because Perez, I'm sure, could play that role. If you have Barnes on one side, and then on the other side you have Under, so there's your two quick, more wing type players. And then in the centre, you have there you got Firmino who drops deep. I'm pretty sure someone like Perez, and I've always banged the drum that he's more of a number nine. You know, he's he's more of a centre forward. I'd love to see him play as a nine when Vardy's not playing. I think in that kind of scenario, he would work. You could replicate what they have because he would naturally slightly drop deeper than maybe we would like. But I can't for I can't for life me understand why if you've got two quick players out wide. Barnes and Under, undoubtedly. In fact, they would probably be two of the quickest players in the league in those two positions. But why someone like Perez could not thrive in the middle of that three, I I think it would be great. I, I think out wide and on the right, he, he's just not quick enough. And he can he can finish chances. You go back a year to that Southampton game and the way he took his chances in that game. That's not a winger. That's not a wide player. That's a centre forward. He's he's a centre forward and he's just not being played in that role. I don't I don't understand it at all. I know Ianacho's there, but I would I would go with Perez and go, look, you know, this is this is the guy. He can finish as well as anyone. He can head the ball well. We know that. I don't understand why he can't play in the centre of a three up top and and, and and thrive with two quick wingers doing all the quick work and he can just stay in that in that central position. But it was interesting you mentioned Liverpool because I got next to Perez, you know, in, in that kind of style as well. Uh, it will be uh, the team news will be uh, after what happened against Arsenal when the team news came out uh, it'll be intriguing to find out what they do against Athens they lost their first game in the Europa League in our group 3-0 to Braga 
and they currently sit, what, fourth in their table in their domestic league, played five, won three, drawn one, lost one, so they're not far off the top. And um, and we had a quick look at their team beforehand. Any familiar names? They've got Nelson Oliveira. Anyone remember him? Um, he used to play for Swansea, Forest, uh, also Norwich and Reading, the centre-forward. So that, I don't think there are any world-beaters. Leicester can go there and win. And if they do, then it really will look like it's either going to be Braga or Leicester winning the group. And, and then the game at the King Power... Uh, in the next week on the on the fifth of November, that becomes a a very important game then against Braga. So it will be interesting to see what lineup Rogers goes with. I don't think Vardy will start. I think he will be on the bench, and again he can be used in the last thirty minutes if we need. But I'd imagine they would go with Iheanacho from the start, and it would be a similar lineup. I might, I I would imagine they would probably play Under as well. Mainly because he's he's starting to come back in the side or starting to play more um, or get more time is really the best thing to say. But he he needs I think he needs a start, and I don't think there's a better place because it's on the continent. It's it's in an area of the world where he's played football. You know, it, it's it's uh, I know they're, they're they're very general points being made there, but if you were looking at a game on the fixture list for Undare to start with chopping and changing sides. Maybe not away at Leeds United the following game. is That's probably not the place. It's probably in Athens. And depending on what he does, he then might start at Ellen Road. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right for those reasons and for the footballing reason is that he came on and did the proper job of an impact substitute against Arsenal last night and got himself an assist, which is really what he's been brought to the club to do is to create chances. Um, he'll be... He'll be wanting and willing to 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 play from the start and show that he can have that impact on the game from the beginning, not just for the last 15, 20 minutes. So it's, it's an ideal game to start him in. He's going to be fresh because he's not played an awful lot of minutes, but at the same time, he's going to be pretty much up to speed and, and match sharp because he's been involved in a few handful of games now for Leicester. So it'll be it'll be a good one for him to start. I don't know whether whether Rodgers will make a few more changes than he did against Zoria Luhansk just because we seem to, you know, that win against Arsenal will make things feel a lot better in the Premier League. Um, you know, you've still got to be wary of the fact that there are more fixtures coming up and the trickiest of those fixtures looks to be Braga. Um, Leeds on Monday night is not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't know whether you use this game against Athens, um, knowing that you've already got three points in the bag in the Europa League against Zoria Luhansk, and you put players in who haven't started games yet this season, maybe like Chowdhury or Brighton, um, Wes Morgan possibly, just to make sure that nothing desperately bad happens to the players that are that you are going to need for those games against the likes of Leeds, Braga, etc., you know, I'm I'm not really in favour of switching all eleven players out, and I don't think we've currently got the squad depth to do that. But all Brighton, you know, you know what job you're going to get from him. You know, he's never going to let you down, is he? Under to start for a bit of confidence and a bit to say you you go and grab the game by the scruff of its neck. Chowdhury just to give Mendy a rest because I know Mendy brings an awful lot to this team at the moment. He's 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 really been a revelation this season, but. You lose him, 
with with maybe just an innocuous tangle of legs against an Athens player, and all of a sudden you're worried about Monday night against Leeds just because one player has been taken out of the equation. So maybe you start Chowdhury and you say, look, you were he was arguably very close to be going out on loan um, this season if if the sort of rumours were to be believed. If Ndidi had stayed fit, um, it was likely that Chowdhury wouldn't necessarily be at the club at the moment. So you say to him, look, you're here. You're going to get this opportunity. You're starting in Europe. Go and boss the midfield. And a, and a Chowdhury that's performing well and that's confident is only going to be a good thing for Leicester because it continues to give you options in the middle um, if something happens to to one of the other players. So I think I think Thursday will be a very good opportunity to get some more minutes into some players from the start to say, go and show us what you can do. You're not just here to make up the numbers um, and make sure that our squad is as strong and fit as possible, but you are also protecting those key players. Yeah, I I agree. To I agree to an extent. I think they'll go slightly stronger though. I can see them looking at the side that started against Arsenal, filling in a few. You're looking at um, you mentioned Under coming in and and Ianacho starting. I think if you go from the back, it's a case of is everyone okay because the game is going to be slower against Athens, and there's the possibility of coming off if everything's going okay. So if the defense is fine, it remains. Maybe Wes coming in, who knows? In the midfield, that's where I think the the, the changes really will be made if if they are. Uh, the what and the player really is for me Yuri Tillemans. I think if he's because he's played all those games for Belgium as well, started and played ninety minutes for them. I I think if if there's one player you might say right, I'll take you out of the game. It might be Yuri Tillemans. You could put Dennis Pratt back into that position alongside Mendy. Uh, you could even possibly play Madison as well and then kind of chop and change them around depending on on what kind of formation they play but that would be one for me I would maybe do that say take Yuri out the firing line put Dennis Pratt in that position uh the the wing backs are the wing backs and then if you know if Harvey Barnes is fine and 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 can play the games great and you know you got uh the normal three really you got Barnes on one side maybe Under on the other which we've been championing and then in the center either Perez or uh, Ianacho. So that's what I would do. I, I think it would be. I think Tillemans is is such such an important player. I think giving him looking at the side, I'll go really strong, as as strong as you can. But with Vardy on the bench still, and then ready to start against Leeds, and the other player would be Tillemans. So you take those two out of the strongest line that we can play. Um, I think the other players bringing in someone like an Albrighton, I think that's the sort of thing that could happen if the game's going well, then make those changes. But I think from the start, it's the best team we can put out, minus Vardy, for the reasons mentioned, and also Tielemans. Yeah, I, I agree that Tielemans needs protecting as well because he's got through a lot of graft in that midfield. And Dennis Pratt has, I think, been brought off um, well, he was brought off on the, about the hour mark against Arsenal, wasn't he? He's not played um, full wax of 90 minutes for, for a while, um, partly because of he, he picked up that knock and partly because he's kind of been sacrificed for tactical reasons on a couple of occasions as well. So, you know, you could start him in the middle with uh, with Mendy or you could start him in the middle with Chowdhury. Um, 
it's it's interesting because it is quite early on in the Europa League and we have said it's a competition we want to take very seriously. But the comfort with which we picked up the three points last week um, and knowing that Braga are the best side in in the group, that were the better than Zori Lahanska, the better than Athens, and, and knowing that players like Chowdhury, Under, and, and maybe a couple of others, you wouldn't necessarily... Not not trust to play on a Monday night against Leeds, but Leeds are going to be at it. They suffered their first. Def- uh, they 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 got um, Bamford bagging a hat trick. They are a team that just gets right in your face and plays how they want to play and don't really care who you are. So you you need your you need to ensure that you have got your best squad for that game. So whether you go like you said, Pete, and and you've got the joy of f- five substitutions in the Europa League, which is a real help, I think, because let's say you're comfortably two 0 up against Athens with a an hour played, that's when you could start to withdraw a couple of other players to for protection as well. It, it's just getting the balance right of winning that game, making sure that you win that game. Um, but also making sure that your squad is as healthy as possible going into the next run of fixtures. Yeah, and a very difficult run of fixtures. You've got Leeds on a Monday night, so they do have the extra day from the game against Athens. And then you go Monday night against Leeds, Thursday at home against Braga, who again won 3 nil in our Europa League group, then Sunday at home against Wolves. Uh, the following, there is and then the international break, which will be very good for Leicester. I know players will play, but it comes at a good time because then after that, it's away to Liverpool and then away to Braga before we play Fulham, Zoya Lehans, Sheffield United, Athens, etc. So a, a difficult run of games, but a, I think after that Braga game, it's an, it's an uh, sorry, after the Wolves game, it's an important time for, for Leicester to have a break, really, because th- there's three very difficult fixtures. Leeds away, Braga home, Wolves at home. Now, the Leeds game is going to be difficult. They're in riding high, playing really well. It's it's a it's a difficult game to work out because they they play such a such great football, really good side Leeds. Uh, I'm not entirely confident that they're actually individually a great team. Uh, <laughs> it's Calvin Phillips, a good player. We've seen him play for England, and uh, and he's proved that. But I think as a collective. They are fantastic, incredibly well-drilled, really good manager. But I think you take that manager away, then they become quite an average Premier League team. At the moment, they are really good. And it's going to be very, very difficult to get something from Leeds. But I just think on a bad day, or if Leicester really get to them, it's it's a winnable game. It looks very difficult on paper, but I think it's a winnable game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Leicester go there, Vardy up top, and... Almost play, as you were saying at the start of the podcast, Robin, that kind of stamping their authority and playing the Leicester way and, 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 and controlling the game. I wouldn't be surprised if Leicester do that at Leeds. I think there's going to be goals, but I just... I know they've gone to Villa and won and, and played really well and Bamford scoring goals, but I just they've got a, a few injuries as well. I just think that if a side like Leicester, who I still think are a step above Villa, I know they went and beat us, but... I still think that we can go there and win and and control large aspects of the game. We're certainly capable of doing so. We've just got to want to and we've got to do so from the start because I think the thing with a team like Leeds, it's big on momentum, both 
longer term in terms of the fact that they've come up with uh, several wins under their belt, you know, getting um, out of the championship. They've got um, a manager who is deemed by most of the managers in the world to be one of the best managers in the world or, or certainly one of the best coaches in the world. So if they get themselves up, uh, build up ahead of steam in a match, they're f- they're very difficult to stop because of that collective effort, because the work rate that's drilled into them, uh, and the fact that they are very much a team, very much a squad. Um, so you have to do something to disrupt that. Against Arsenal, we got away with it a bit more because Arsenal were still trying to be quite precise. They were realising and recognising that they had 11 blue shirts in front of them and they were trying to hit 60, 70-yard switches of play, which worked occasionally, but the rest of the time they were sat in front of us and knocking it around, looked comfortable in possession, but didn't really have any... They didn't seem to have too much intent or intensity, whereas I think Leeds are a different proposition because they work extremely hard in and out of possession... And you need to show them that you are going to control this game. And that's got to be the the difference in our approach on Monday night in comparison to last night. We've got to go there and say, we are Leicester City. This is how we're playing this game. We are going to dictate it. And you're not going to get a look in. Because I think that's the way you've got to beat Leeds. You've got to stop them playing their game and make them ask questions um, and I don't think they'll have an answer for us if we go there to Elland Road and play like that. No, I don't think so. I think if uh, the first the first 15 minutes, uh, 20 minutes is always going to be important, but I think against Leeds it really is. I think if they get uh, a head up of steam, then they can outplay a lot of sides in this league like they did against Villa and like they have done. And, and also they show a lot of fight as well. So if it's a draw or one down, they won't stop. They will carry on. If you go back to, say, the game against Man City at Ellen Road, they they went all the way through to the 90th minute. It's um And looking at the starting lineups, I mentioned the, the game against uh, Athens away, played the strongest side. Obviously, they will do again against Leeds. And that's when the changes might then make be made, likes of Chowdhury coming in to the home game against Braga. I think those players might be not kept aside until then, but I think if there was going to be a game where all of a sudden there's six changes, and I know Braga are the chief rivals in the group, but I think at home to them especially, I think that's where Leicester might go right. I tell you what, we'll make six or seven changes to the starting lineup with an eye on the game against Wolves on the Sunday at the King Power. That's what I think might happen. Um, to look at the, to, the scores, oh, I mean, if we look at the away game against AK Athens, don't don't get me wrong, I ain't no expert about AK Athens, neither are you, Rob, and neither are the vast majority of people listening to this. So it's difficult to work out. I'm confident that Leicester go in there and get in something. Who knows how good they are, really? We know that they've played in European competitions constantly, but whether they're just one of those sides that get through because their domestic league's not quite as good as... Well, not not very good, and they're obviously one of the biggest sides being from Athens. I am confident for a, for a Leicester win, and I think it might be quite comfortable as well. It, it, they might sit back in the first 20 minutes or so and then all of a sudden turn around and go actually we you know we we can dominate this game these aren't actually very good and 
I would be confident about them keeping a clean sheet again. Wesley Fofana playing very well at the back. And um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 a, a away win in uh, in Athens. I'll say 3-1, uh, just because I know we've not got an awful lot to base it on, but I think Athens have probably got a little bit more quality in the final third than Zoria Lahansk had, but I think we'll still be relatively comfortable. And then to Ellen Road on, on Monday night, I, as much as I'm quite confident, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going to go for a Desmond. So 2-2, I think. I think it's going to be a tough game. And maybe just late on, I think Leicester might be in front. I think maybe late on, it might be a bit of a role reversal. I think Leeds might come into it more late on because of the travel from Leicester, etc., etc. And I think they might be the team who equalise late. Uh, I'll go for 2-2. So that none of our listeners think that I've all of a sudden become a very negative man, I'm going to predict another win. Uh, and I'm going to go 2-1. Good man, good man. We got it right against uh, Zoya, wasn't it? 3-0 I went, not went for. I can't remember what result you went for, but um, I think I went for 3-0. So we're, we're, we're in form when it comes to the uh, the predictions, and hopefully they carry on, especially your 2-1 away at least. That would be tremendous and a, and a nice 2-0 win, win for me at, uh, at Athens. So they're the next two games, and then we have Braga on the Thursday, so hopefully we'll bring you a podcast in between the Leeds and then the Braga game. That's kind of the, the rough plan. Uh, so what we have to do now, Rob, is figure out whether I'm still in the top 10 of the Fancy Football League. That means we need that music. Okay then, the top 10 of the For Fox 8 podcast Fancy Football League up into 10th place on 355 points. It is 4-Fox 2, uh, Julian Higgs. Down into 9th, it's Stay Home, Eat Out, Get Fat, Ian Barker, 358 points. Uh, remaining in 8th place, it's uh, Perco with Canal Fire FC on 362 points. Up into 7th place, Viva Europa, Owen White, 366 points down into sixth place it's me it's frank sinclair own goal at 368 points up into fifth place it's at 40 rob ford gardener's delight 369 up into fourth place it's uh islin weltson with a benzin on 369 points completely ruined your name there in third place, Kieran Ford up into third for Fook's sake, 371 points. Down into second, Luke Taylor, TaylorMade, 403 points. Quite a gap then between third and second. And up into first place, uh, Drake Martin with Drake Water, uh, 406 points of the top two. Uh, put a bit of a gap between themselves and the rest. Now, let's try and find Rob. In fact, Rob, where are you? It's going to take you a while. Uh, I'm down 80-something. Hang on, I'm just scrolling. Uh, I'm down to 83rd place. Uh, I've had a very slightly better week than you, actually, which is um, a miracle because I've not had a better week than many others. I have still got one player to play tonight who I'm actually hoping doesn't play um, Webster from Brighton because... The fantasy football app told me that Mikel Antonio had a 25% chance of playing, so I took him out, put him on the bench, goes and bags an overhead kick and a bonus 
for being man of the match and whatever, and scored eight points. That's eight points wasted sitting on my bench. So I'm hoping Webster doesn't play tonight and that I can have a little addition to my points tally. But it's been a very, very, very poor couple of weeks for me, languishing down in 80th odd place. Well, we know how good a week it was for me last week. It was it was absolutely fantastic to be over 100 points for a week. And it shows you how good it was because this week's tragic. I think the next worst game week six amount of points at, at recording, you know, because there is the, the Spurs-Burnley um, game later, uh, I think you go down to 40th place for someone who's got less than 21 points for the week. It's been terrible. Uh, Salah captain nowhere. I've got three Spurs players, so I'm hoping to pick up some points. Um, but so there's a possibility I can get back, roughly, possibly even into third place. But at the top two, they've had a a, a good week. Uh, one brief highlights. Uh, looking down in seventh place, so just below me, Viva Europa Owen White, 70 points at the time of recording. Has he got any players tonight? No, he's uh, he's used all his players up, which is uh, no surprise. But uh, yeah, Vardy captain, Ings, Jimenez, etc. Zaha, so he's had a really good week. Schmeichel as well. So a bit of a shout out there. 70 points is quite a lot. So uh, yeah, that's the For Fox 8 podcast Fancy League. Fingers crossed for uh, for Spurs tonight. Never really say that. So, Regulon, he'll be a nice player to score for you, maybe from the back. That'll be, uh, be handy for the old fancy football. But yeah, Rob, you need to uh, <clears throat> um, you sort yourself out, mate. Well, I either need Webster to not play so that I can bank the eight points that Antonio scored, or I need Webster to play, keep a clean sheet, and bag a hat-trick of headers from corners. That's, I mean, either or is fine. Either or. you got Vardy up top anyway. Have you used any of your wild cards? I've not gone for that yet no I'd, I'd, I don't know when to do it I did it on one of them on the last weekend or the last game week last season I, I don't know if, th- if if it smacks a little bit of desperation I don't know if I'm going to use it when I'm actually in some kind of form so I can try and build up some momentum but you know it's not looking likely that that's going to happen anytime soon is it no not really I've used my wild card already I used it on the international break that's a good time to use your wild card international break uh because then you got you got a lot of time then to work out what's what and make your subs and all that. You've got a couple of weeks. Anyway, there you go. That's the Fantasy Football League. Uh, anything else, Rob? What's uh, anything else? I mean, we, we, we haven't really mentioned Fafana, but he just he just looks he looks quality, doesn't he? There's n- there's nothing really else to say. He re- he reminds me of a he's got like the calmness of a of a Rio Ferdinand, and it's just his all round game. And there's there's I was talking to. Um, to another podcast today, and, and they were saying, well, you know, "What's he like?" And I says, well, "He's just, just a really good footballer all around. Control, passing, level-headed, tall, strong, wins everything in the air." Uh, I mean, apart from experience, it was once he got kind of caught out going for a ball, and then, but then again, you're going to do that. Look at Soyuncu; that's it. That's his game, and it, we applaud him for it. And sometimes it's not going to work out. That's why you've got someone like Evans to to kind of mop up. He he is. For a centre half, again we mentioned the um, if you're a centre forward, you turn up and you score a hat trick on debut or whatever, and then you hit the ground running, great. But to try and quantify what he's done, we've kept a clean sheet in the last couple of games, but virtually foot perfect, really, for for a young lad making his his first starts in English football. Nothing's phased him at all. It looks like almost that he's made this step up, and he knows that there's still further steps for him to make. Yeah, he's all round game is very impressive for a 19 year old he's very composed 
he just seems to have a clear picture of of where he wants to be um, in terms of the level that, of football that he's playing as well, because he was so keen to push through this move to Leicester. You know, you, you would have absolutely forgiven a 19-year-old for, for playing at a club that he's been at for a few years in a league that he knows quite well. The team that gave him his breakthrough, you'd have forgiven him for staying there a couple more years, playing into his early 20s and then looking for the next step. But he's very ambitious, but, but he's got the ability to back that up and the temperament to back that up, which is great. He's he's a very aggressive defender and he, and he wants to sort of play on the front foot. You know, he's he's not content to let a striker have the ball and just to make sure that he's goal side. He's always trying to sniff out the opportunity to win the ball. And more often than not, he does it. He, as you say, he got caught out once um, last night and got a yellow card for his troubles. Um, but the majority of the time, he, he is physically and mentally good enough to be able to to nip in and, and steal those balls, which is great. And if and if he doesn't on the odd occasion, as you say, Evans is there to back him up. But he's also quick enough and explosive enough to to get back round and back into position fairly quickly. He's he just seems to have everything about him so far. There are going to be times when he maybe has a, a run of a couple of uh, uh, slightly stickier games. And I think we've seen that a couple of times with Siunchu. Not very often, but a couple of times where we've gone, actually, is he the, the, as much of the real deal as we as we think he is? But then it's about how he bounces back from that. And, and from what I've just said about what I see of his temperament so far, it doesn't look like anything like that would phase him. You know, an arm round the shoulder from Johnny Evans or Wes Morgan... Um, in whatever language they can communicate with him in, because by all accounts his English isn't great at the moment. Um, but you know, a, a, a clap on the back from the manager, and a, you go again the next game. You've got the ability. I feel like that he's the kind of player that would would only need that. He's not going to sort of um, become a, a bit more introvert. He's not going to stop doing the things that make him such an effective defender. So I think we've got a, a real player on our hands, and and I'm very pleased to be saying that so early on after the. Not worry that we had, but the discussion that we had around it being quite possibly or quite probably Leicester's biggest transfer risk ever. So far, so good. So far, so good. It's when you throw in those things like he, he can't speak English. He's moved from St Etienne to here. He, he's almost like the the easiest thing he, he can do at the moment is actually play. The football side of things is fine. Look, lads, I, I've got this. Don't worry. I can't understand a word you're saying. But... I can play, and it's a bit like a bit like you, Rob. When you move to another club, when you when you, when you moved up in Sheffield, and you turn up at your local side and go, and and you, and and they you say, hey, actually, I can play. Don't worry about this, lads. You know, I'm quite competent at this level. But this is a 19 year old lad doing it at Premier League level. It's 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 quite remarkable, but. Again, I, for me, he just exudes confidence, but you don't want that to be overconfident, especially in his position. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen. He just looks a, a fantastic player. And and also, and quite importantly, it looks like the back three is how Rodgers wants to play, whether that's 3-4-3, three, three, which I think might end up being the formation, or some kind of way of having Madison in midfield, whatever. But certainly three at the back... And if you if if Soyuncu can can work out his positional aspects of being in the back three because that's the that's his problem that really is um, then him one side uh, Fafani the other side and, and and Evans or whatever kind of three whichever way they want to play that 
that looks a really good back three and a very modern back three and also it plays into Leicester's strengths which of Castagna one side and then Ricardo when he comes back that really plays into their strengths getting them as far forward as possible it looks it just looks incredibly exciting and that's why when you look back at the 1-0 win at Arsenal with all the players that are missing with the likes of Fafana now in the side under slowly getting up to speed it, you're looking at the side going here we go you know once the players are fully back We've got a proper side here, and if we can just hang around, lurking around that top six in the Premier League, once everyone's fully back around, say, Christmas or New Year, depending on what's what, then we could be a completely opposite to last season. It could be actually the second half of the season where we really kick on, and we go from sixth or seventh up maybe into the top four. That possibly is how it could go now who the top four will be at the end of the season god knows because it's it's still chaotic but a chaotic season i think benefits leicester it does it's nice to be sat here after a fairly positive start obviously we had the the defeats against villa and west ham but you know most teams have had a defeat or two this season so far already that they haven't necessarily expected um based on where they think their team's going to be come the end of the season. So it's almost like this is, as you say, a bit of a, almost like a trial period, really. And for us to be in and around the right areas with so many key players out means that when they come back in, if we've already established a sort of a holding position, as you say, on the on the outskirts of the top six, and we've continued to pick up more positive results than negative ones then it does look very bright, the fact that there are those quality players to come back in and hopefully ensure that we maintain or increase our momentum in the second half of the season rather than it going the other way. Because I tell you what, if when I'm watching the um, Athens game on Thursday night, if the commentary team mentioned one more time about how Leicester would have loved to have been playing in the Champions League this season or were narrowly missed out on playing in the Champions League... It, I'm going to have to mute it. You know, um, it wasn't very nice to listen to. It was Robbie Savage was the co-commentator and they were harping on about how it, how the second half of the season fell away. Let's spin that around this time. Let's have a steady, solid first period. Get through to New Year. Get these players back in. Get them back up to full fitness and have a real crack at the top six or maybe even top four. Mm-hmm. 